Richard, Sicily, 
Yay. Yeah, I mean, it, it was an interesting story. And he, the, his story kind of in Chicago coincided at the same time that H.H. H. Holmes was in the city. So maybe they're the same. <laughs> no. I, I've seen pictures. I'll, I'll send well, you Jack a picture. Ripper and H.H. H. Holmes can be the same. For you. I still don't believe that. I don't either. Yeah, I don't believe that theory, but when we do the Jack the Ripper, we'll talk about that. Okay. But, you know, the, the Cyrus's story was just like, really? And then his son became a famous artist. Um, Arthur Teed, he he became a, a famous artist. And um, the town down there in Florida that he founded, some buildings are still standing. And it's part of a um, historic park down there. How historic is it? <laughs> well, I, I think they said there's like maybe three or four buildings left standing that they've refurbished. And yeah. there was like um, his College of Light foundation that they started. This lady came in later and she took like all of his artifacts and the records and everything kept them over there well i want to say like 10 years ago 10 11 years ago um the company gave the 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 paper archives the notes and the diaries and the letters and everything they gave it to the state archives in tallahassee so they're preserving everything and like the koreshian this is what I thought was funny. The Koreshian Cemetery is in the middle of a golf course. That's cool. Yeah, but they somebody bought it, so they're taking care of it. They're going to put a sign up. So, but yeah, the, the book opened up with um, you know, Cyrus dead in a bathtub for five days. <laughs> <laughs> he was turning purple oh. and black. And- ah, oh, thank you. They're they're just like, um, is he gonna turn? Is he gonna become God now? Yeah. No. Well, okay. Well, That's we got goofy. this tomb. We got this tomb down here on the uh, on, just right by the ocean, and we can put him in. Yeah, very soupy though. Oh God, yeah, especially in the zinc bathtub. Ooh. <sighs> But it, it's an I'm I'm gonna order the book. Like I said, Cyrus Teed is an interesting story. Um, I'm gonna get a couple books on DC Stevens. Um because there's one part of his story I think we could do well, we'll separate it within the greater story. <laughs> it was about how the fighting Irish in Notre Dame got their name. Well, it involves the Klan and a fight between the football players and the Klan having a rally in South Bend. It's a funny story. The first time I heard it was on the dollop, and I was driving my car trying not to crash it as I was laughing. Because <laughs> the Irish love anything besides booze, it's fighting. My people, gotta love them. Yep. So, just get started on right. Yeah, what parts is this one? This is uh, I'm I'm looking at four. 
but this is this one's part two. We're gonna well, we finished last week. Low, you know, Lois was sitting there praying, praying that she could find someone to be a a capable leader leader in case her doofy son George decided he wanted to, you know, exert his manhood. And Lois believed that she found her leader, or Yay. or the willing dupe who's going to become her leader. Sure. We're looking at. We're going to kick this off on August 17th, 1959, with the birth of Vernon Wayne Howell. Now, you're all sitting there going, well, who's Vernon Wayne Howell? I would hope not if they're listening to True Crime Podcast. <laughs> right. wow. Well, you know, we might have a new listener who, you know, kind of picked this up and was like, Ooh, who's Vernon? I hope not still. So, okay, continue. <laughs> well, you, you, you never know. Now, his mother, Bonnie Clark, met Vernon's father, Bobby Howell, when she was barely out of grade school. Imagine that, folks. Now, this is Texas, so kind of bear with us here. She, you know, met him when she was leaving eighth grade. She goes into her freshman year of high school. She meets Bobby. And before long, she gets pregnant. So she decides she's going to tell Bobby, hey, you know, you're going to be a daddy. Now, what do you think Bobby did? Do you think he married her? Did the right honorable thing? Of course not. Of course not. This is Killer's yeah, Cult's yeah. nut job. When, yeah. we, when, we, when have we ever had a teenage pregnancy on this show where someone did the honorable thing? Um, Never. Exactly. So... <laughs> Why break the streak? Exactly. Why? Yeah. Why start now? Exactly. Why start now? Bobby. Bobby skipped town. Packed up his pickup truck and hit the road. So Bonnie gave birth to Vernon, and and I'm sure you know as Monica knows, and I know having kids and all those parents out there. Sometimes you give birth to a kid who's colicky. James wasn't. Oh, he, Dana wasn't. He, Dana and and Alex weren't colicky either. Okay, but yeah, I got pups though. So right. yeah, that was. I think I preferred colic to that. So, so as you all know, colicky baby cries a lot. Not much you can do. Well. Bonnie's mom and her, her her stepdad didn't like the noise, so Bonnie went to San Antonio, the hopping town of San Antonio, to live with an aunt and uncle who helped deal with the colicky baby. Well, Bobby, you know, he's he's wherever he is in Texas, and he kind of decides, you know what? I got Bonnie over here. She just had my baby. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be a dad. But true to form for our show, he doesn't do it. He just runs again. Because, you know, name one. Well, no, I mean, Jim Jones's parents were together, but his dad was a World War One vet who was kind of weak because of a mustard gas attack. Yeah, this guy was just... Well, 
um, Manson's dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the 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 major or the captain, whatever his rank was, he uh-huh. ran. Yeah. Uh, so when little Vernon, every time every time I came across Vernon, while I was reading the book and doing the notes here, I just kept hearing Jim Vernon go, "Hey Vern, know what I mean? Know what I mean, Vern?" Because I'm pretty sure he had a buddy somewhere in life that did that to him. It's Texas. And also, that would have been around the time, too. You still Vernon, because I was like, you know, yeah, 80s and also, yeah. I'm sure at least once he got it. Oh, right. Right. Poor kid. Mm-hmm. So when little Vernon was two years old, Bonnie met a man by the name of Joe. Unfortunately, Joe was an ex-con. And the marriage lasted 18 months when Joe went back to prison for violating his parole. So once he was back behind bars where, you know, parole violators should be, Bonnie did the right thing and divorced him. But now here's the problem that all single mothers face at some point in their life. She's got a young son. She needs to provide for him. She can't live with her folks. Can't live with relatives. She was almost 18, so that technically almost makes her a spinster in Texas. Yeah, I had to stop and think for a moment. Now, Bonnie was living in Houston, and she worked in a bar. She fell in love with a, Roy, with a man by the name of Roy Haldman. Well, Roy was also her boss, so you want to talk about job security. Unless, you know, you're, well, no, you really can't. I'm I'm imagining the bar she worked at was one of them old honky-tonk joints with a jukebox in the corner, played some Hank Williams. Probably exactly what it was like. (laughs) Playing some Hank Williams, some Patsy Cline. Mm -hmm. Um, God, I don't think George Jones was out at this point. This is 61? No, no, he's a little bit older than that, so he's five, so about 64, so uh, maybe. I mean, hell, Elvis was big at that point, but Elvis was a country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you probably got some Patsy Klein playing, some Hank Williams. Hell, Willie Nelson could have been starting off at that point. But, you know, the Grand old Opry playing on the radio. So Bonnie, true to form, Bonnie got pregnant with Roy's kid. And by the time she was six months pregnant, Roy made her an honest woman. Said, honey, you're, you're pregnant with my kid. Let's get hitched. And her son Roger was born, which caused Roy to sell the bar and become a carpenter in a suburb of Dallas named Richardson. It was there that Vernon started school, but he had problems with writing and spelling. But he was good at reading, so that, you know, writing and spelling, it doesn't sound like uh, dyslexia to me. Because dyslexia, you have the problem reading, because your words get jumbled. But he could read well, but he couldn't spell or write. 
So because of all these problems that he had, he was placed in the special class where kids began calling him retard. Just like Manson. I said, you know, if, if I was doing a Mount Rushmore, Koresh and Manson would be next to each other. Koresh would be in between. In Jan- uh, well, uh, Mount Rushmore of what? Oh, serial killers. Okay, well, they weren't really serial killers. Well, no. I mean, th- I tried making a picture of the killers cults and nut job Mount Rush- Rushmore. Yeah. I wanted a Manson, Bundy, Manson, Bundy, Gacy, and Koresh on it, but the AI program just messed it up. No. But yeah, for cults, though. Right, for cults, definitely. Yeah, be like, yeah. Now, his mother had him tested, like Sheldon's mother from the Big Bang Theory, and he did have a problem. But like I said, it wasn't dyslexia. It's possible he had ADD. But see, back then they didn't diagnose ADD. You know, they didn't know what it was. And he just, here, smack the kid around and he'll straighten up. To help his situation out, his mother took him out of school and placed him in the seven-day Adventist schools. Now, reading this book, I didn't even know that SDA had schools for kids. Like, do they even still exist now? Because I have. They might. I know, like, um, I know, like, here in my area, there's a there's a a Baptist school and a Catholic high school. But see, the Baptist school is also grade school and high school. It's all in one one building. Mm -hmm. But. I don't know if the SDA still. I mean, I've seen their church. Yeah, for, I think like, I think we have an SDA church here, or it's a have, Mormon. I don't know. Yeah, we had. I forget like where it is, but it's not. It's close, but it's not like local, local to me. Right. Went by it the other day. I'm like, hey. <laughs> right. I'll look it up in a bit, but I, I would like to know if they still have schools open. I don't see why not. I mean, it might be in the larger cities. Yeah. Yeah. I or mean, hell. Either in the bigger cities or in the rural areas. Uh, the right. Is, is, you know, I don't think there's anything going to be in, in between for that. <laughs> no, they're not. There's This is one lone schoolhouse at the end of a dirt road. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to go to that school there, son. There's some weird people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Vernon goes to these schools and he did better. All aspects of the SDA church intrigued Vernon and he was able to memorize the Bible. Sounds like Manson. Vernon would later dissect the passages a skill that would help him later in life. He would also watch the TV evangelists watching how they moved and preached the Gospels. It was around this time he would later say yeah, he would feel God's presence. As a kid in Texas, he liked to shoot guns, hunt small animals, and take apart and rebuild machines. In 1976, he dropped out of school before finishing his sophomore year. He had found a girl that he loved. Oh, how sweet. 
Vern decided to support himself helping his stepfather with carpentry jobs. Vern decided he wanted to marry his, of course, pregnant girlfriend, but her father would not allow it. I did find some. They're they're open. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, May uh, one like thirty-seven miles from me in Crown Point. Uh, three of them are temporarily closed. One's in Chicago. Yeah, it, mainly here they're up in the suburbs. Yeah, in Illinois. Yeah, Illinois and uh, Indiana has a lot of SDA schools, yeah. but some are closed. They're mainly up in the suburbs, so yeah. Yeah, at least they still exist. So. You're right. That's a good thing. So he packed up and briefly moved to Tyler, Texas, since her dad was smart and would not oh, allow oh, marriage to go oh, through. It. I mean, I I want to say she was 16 when he when he he got her pregnant. So, oh hell, you some kid got my 16 year old daughter pregnant. You would see me on America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, fortunately, there's no more 16-year-olds, so. Well, and, and the thing, well, I, lived near, I lived near a field when Dana was 16, so I could have just, you know, put them out oh, yeah. in the field and, uh, you know. And that wasn't a coincidence at all, right? No, it was, no I, actually, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. I was living in Limestone, and I was right next door to a cornfield, so Phil was still, we were still good friends at the time. We would have said, hey. Let's go dig a hole in the field. Uh-huh. While well, Tyler... I would have waited till after he plowed. Because if yeah, you... Well, make it any, look hard easy, yeah. Yeah, if you could done it any other time, then you people are like, what, what's out there in the field? Uh-huh. While in Tyler, he decided that he wanted to be with his child and went back to Richardson. He went to his girlfriend's house, but he found out she had an abortion. Oh, actually, say, you know, I'm sure dad kind smarter. of pressured her later. Time. Yeah, but then and finding out later, I'm oh, sure yeah. that was a huge, like, whoosh. Maybe, I mean, it, I hate to say this now, but if that was me in that situation, I was a teen father. Oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm talking about the. Oh, the dad? The da- well, and the daughter, like, having, oh, yeah. like, it. Being attached to Crush, you know, what what he would turn into. Yeah, no, thank but, you. Well, but if if what if she had kept the baby and you know, would he have turned out the same way? Yeah, because they're all like Yeah. Something's like deeply ingrained. I have to say, kind of like with Considered today's like you know twenty fourth anniversary of Columbine, let's we say Eric Harris now same yeah. would have ended up being probably some serial killer. And he'd, Don, he'd still be on the show. Yeah, and if like Don Claybold hadn't gotten attached with or you know had been so involved with him, he'd probably be working on computers or something. Right, right now. That, so I got to read that book sometime. Okay, there we go. Fern spent some time homeless, sleeping in his truck. 
Oh, God. Now, it's like, again, another case of why his girlfriend's father took pity on him and allowed Vern to move in with his daughter. Sir, you don't know know what it was like. I'm living in my truck down by by the river. (laughs) But Vern got his girlfriend pregnant again, and and her dad kicked him out. Oh, my God. I forgot about that part. Yeah, it's like. Okay, dad's dumb too. Depressed with knowing he was having a child he could never see, Vern moved back to Tyler. No, she got pregnant after he moved in. Yeah. Dad's dumb. Oh, yeah. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. I'm not arguing with you. Okay, then. After denying religion for years, Vern went to the SDA church. He absorbed the teachings, but he had questions. Don't they always? Oh, yeah. Well, that's why he. That's when he had moved back to Tyler because. Yeah. That, now, uh, now I wonder. Kid. I wonder if this kid, you know, who this kid is. Yeah, I don't think they've ever been able to figure it out, or so they've. Been well, able they, to... they probably moved somewhere, and you know, somewhere deep. It, in, well, yeah, uh-huh. deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> Okay, Fern wanted to know more about modern-day prophets. He also wanted to know if any were around, but he was told to shut up and listen. God, I heard that when I was in, in Sunday school. That's not when Sunday school's fun. Fern was told about a prophet named Lois, so Vern and a female friend went to Waco to see Lois in 1981. Lois began to see something special in Vern. His ability as a carpenter and a mechanic kept the place and vehicles working. She felt he could be a person to stand against George, so she began to mentor Vern. Lois opened the world to Vern. Lois had told Vern about the modern day prophets that came before her, which convinced Lois that Vern may be one. While Lois was mentoring Vern was seen as okay. Don't know why I couldn't get that out. Many <laughs> felt that they were in fact sleeping together. Eh, it happens. When well, confronted, yeah. They well, didn't well, deny it. Well, no, they didn't. And and the thing yeah. is, is what he was like in his mid early to mid twenties here. Yeah, she was what, fifties, I think so. Fifties or sixties? Yeah. Come here, honey. Uh-huh. Let, me, let me show you a couple of things. Yeah, but someone who wasn't okay with it was Lois' son, George. Color (laughs) me shocked. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Despite the restraining order, Lois allowed George to come around out of her maternal instincts. When George found out about the two, he began to tell people he felt that Vern was raping Lois. Every night, twice on Sunday. Something he did not bring up in front of them. Yeah, yeah. When I when I read this, you know, that she was letting him, it kind of reminded me of something my mom told me after my father had assaulted his mother. Mm-hmm. My uncle gave her a gun to protect herself, but she said, "I can't shoot my son." And my mom just happened to be there when I could beat him with it, though. But <laughs> no, she. I, I, yeah, I know. She could. My mom's like, I could shoot him. Oh, she. Oh, she gets. Oh, she no. said she. I guess no, my grand my grandmother could not shoot her own son, no matter what. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, you originally said that, then it sounded like it went. But, to- but my mom was like, "I can shoot him. Unlock your. You call me. 
unlock the front oh. door. Yeah. Because I was only happened to leave it out. I slightly hidden. <laughs> I never knew there was a gun in the house until after she died. Yeah. I to this day I don't know where it was. Mm-hmm. Which is probably a good thing. But knowing the type of person my father is, and knowing that she had a sidearm there to protect her, uh-huh. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Well, did he know that she had it? No. Okay. Because like no. maybe that was partially that kept him in line, too, without well, the fact him that- knowing that she couldn't do anything to him. You know, well, after he, I mean, after he went to jail for the assault, he wasn't even in prison that long. Then there was the kidnapping, and then he went, he went back, and then we went to court. So, you know, during that whole two, three years, it was just a lot of it was a blur to me. And, uh, you know, I can remember bits and pieces of it. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't know until after she died that she had a gun in the house. And still, maternal instincts, you know, I can't shoot my son. And my mom was like, I'll do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I, my uncle even showed my mom how to load it, how to work uh-huh. the safety. I don't know what. And my, my uncle had guns. I mean, he was a hunter up there in Wisconsin. He had his own land. He gave all of his grandsons before he died, which was three of them he, he gave them all a rifle yeah so i'm sure mo had something that you know it'd be a nice little hole in the front and then just a big gaping one in the back yeah <laughs> but then my grandma had a neighbor that was like if he saw that mr glad was a great guy i'm sure mr glad you could have plugged him if he thought he was doing something to my grandma yeah of course, we were also told that the cops back in that day, we knew them. They told us that if we, we, we ever shot them, none of us would be uh, arrested, convicted, nothing. We'd all, they would write it up as justifiable homicide. We would never serve a day. Oh, well, yeah. Not, I mean, not surprised. Yeah. Slowly, Lois began to use Vern as her second-in-command often sending him into town to talk with the different officials. Now, ever since the Branch Davidians went to Waco, they had a great relationship with the townspeople, you know. Townspeople like, oh, yeah, them, them, them crazy people out there on that ranch out there by the lake, but, but they good folks. They ain't caused no problem. And that's how it was. They just, the people out there at Mount Carmel just wanted to be left alone. Hey, we worship Jesus this way. Well, that's good. You you in a good place worship Jesus. We we got Methodist Church down the road here. That's pretty good. Baptist put on a good uh good potluck dinner on Fridays. But you know, Waco and the Branch Davidians had a great relationship with each other. Lois also began to ask Vern to drive her to to her speaking engagements around the country. And and from what I read, most of the time, like when someone would drive Lois, Lois wouldn't say anything. She was just thinking about what she had to, you know, what her talk was going to be, how she was going to present herself. Once Vern came along, she opened up and started talking in the car. And I bet I don't even want to know what they were talking about on the road trip. I'm sure there was some teaching going on and, you know. Well, honestly. Like 
I think too. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are really honestly, like you know, there was like Bible discussions going on too. Oh, just, I'm I'm sure the Lord was called out a few times. Yeah, I'm, but I'm being serious. <laughs> they, they, besides that. I was waiting to see if you're going to catch that one. I, I caught it. I was trying to ignore it, but <laughs> no, I'm sure she was. You know, at, you know, talking to him. You know, Bible study. You know, yeah, because she's also trying to figure out. You know, if he's another again, another prophet, prophet and all that. So yeah. Oh, that's what. Yeah, you know, my cousin Terry said once I'd have been a great tele evangelist. You want to see right? <laughs> no, it is. He said it in Sunday school one day. He was just like, I could see Scott being a televangelist taking old lady social security checks. And I was like, hey, how did I? I forget how I say it, but I said I was going to be the prophet and I was going to spell it like the money version. Yeah, because you won't be able to keep a straight face saying all this stuff. So <laughs> I don't know. Once I get going, once I was in that mindset, I could probably do it. But you know, yeah, I couldn't keep a straight face now. Yeah. So. Okay, so in '83, Lois asked Vern to accompany her on a trip to Israel. Woohoo! Big time there, man. Well, they they had property in Israel. Yeah, Branch Davidians. They had. Uh, some property in LA, property in Texas, and property in Israel, man. I wonder what the property went for. Anyway, when he came back from Israel, he was asked to lead the Bible study. His lectures, which were called The Serpent's Root, were his first, but people noticed that Vern never used the Bible to mark his place when he lost it. He could string different scriptures, often from different parts of in the Bible together to make a valid point. It was here that people noticed his speaking ability and something he, he didn't want them to take notes when he gave his later on when, you know, he be, he became more known. He didn't want people to take notes. He just wanted them to listen. And if they didn't understand what he was saying, he had explained it again to them. No, no, Jesus didn't kick out the money lenders. They were partners. Until they were skimming off the top, and he, you know, he just started throwing the tables around the temple. Lois was not ready to turn things over to Vern just yet. Her health was beginning. I, I've noticed this. Everyone in this group, their health begins to slip. I, it's just, it's being a prophet, man. You, you can't hold it all in. Her health was beginning to slip since she was diagnosed with breast cancer. George felt it was time to step up and began to push his way into the leadership position. The inevitable fight was put on hold as Vernon moved into an apartment in town, then eventually to a camp near Palestine, Texas. In 85, i trying to remember what I was doing in 85, probably nothing good. Vern took a trip to Israel. Now on the first trip, he was just merely a spectator, you know, keeping Lois company and everything, but this time he went with a purpose. Along with him on this trip was, um, folks, we're going we're gonna to say something shocking here, but knowing the content of this show, it's it's not that shocking. Vern brought his fourteen year old wife with him. Ew. Yes. Ooh. 
Now, her name was Rachel, and she was the daughter of a Branch Davidian member named Perry Jones. I, I believe Perry was was originally Lois's second in command until Vern showed up. Now, Vern would spend days taking lessons from rabbis who were willing to share their knowledge with him. And then, you know, he'd go up, uh, he'd climb Mount Zion, and there was like um, a wall up there. He'd sit down and play his guitar and kind of look over look over Jerusalem and Israel and everything. Now, the couple returned to Palestine where their son Cyrus was born. Vern revealed in pieces to his followers and then later to the FBI what happened on the trip. One day, he climbed up Mount Zion where a wall was built. While he was sitting there, he was visited by seven female angels who took him in a celestial chariot. And they took him on a trip. It was during this trip that he had three revelations. The first, he was the new Cyrus, the liberator of the Jews, and must take the name Koresh. Second, he was also the lamb whose duty it was to open the seven seals and bring about the apocalypse. And three, for all this to happen, he had to die fighting the forces of Babylon so his followers could go to heaven. Once he came back to the camp, his followers began calling him David Koresh. While we have Koresh's version of this, most biblical scholars believe that it may have been Lois who planted these ideas in his head. It's not hard to imagine Lois and Vern lying in bed and Lois slipping these notions in his head. With Vern's overactive mind, it wouldn't take much for the ideas to take root and for him to believe that they actually came from heaven. You know what, Shani? I believe they, you know, I believe you're the lamb. And I want to go farther, but I'm not. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Koresh began taking trips to Los Angeles, right? To recruit followers and people to be in a band since he could play guitar. Koresh was also looking to land a recording deal. Like Manson. Uh-huh. It didn't work out and he didn't go freaking out on everybody else. Right. And he didn't have a Beach Boy helping him either. That's true. So he could have had Rick Astley. (laughs) Never going to give you up. (laughs) Never going to let you go. Oh my God. That's all James sings. That's all all he ever sings anymore. Yeah. It's a meme now. Like, No, he had another hit. Together forever and never to part. Together forever with you. Yeah, oh my god, that's like literally him singing. I'm like, it's like, I never expected my nine-year-old kid to be singing Greg Castle, but okay. Oh, now now I'm going to have to put it on my Spotify just so I can rickroll my kids. Great. So, now that I've had my mom freak out moving here but okay yeah Lois's health was beginning to wane and in 1986 she died of breast cancer George had forced his way into the leadership position at Mount Carmel and David now felt it was time to return and challenge George dun, well, dun, of course, dun, yes. dun. 
Gorshkin particularly appreciate this, so he proposed a test. I love this test. Yeah. Had recently died, so George decided the test would be who could raise her from the dead. (laughs) And this is this is sad when this is the part where like David Koresh is the same one. So. Right. The whole time I was reading this, I kept thinking of the South Park episode where the, the psychics and Cartman were battling each other and they're, they're putting their hands up to that going, uh-huh. this is my powers. David had some followers at Mount Carmel who told him about this. David went to the police since George had desecrated a grave. Well, yeah. yeah oh, duh. The police needed more proof, like a picture of the body <laughs> in the coffin. Hey, this is Texas. Yeah. David went to get the proof. When he arrived, George was waiting for him. David brought some men with him as backup. George appeared and started shooting an Uzi at the men. David got off a lucky shot, hitting the magazine and jamming the gun. So before George could do anything, the police stood up. David and his men cooperated with the police and all were arrested. They cooperated so well that mm-hmm. they even went and handed them guns that were in the compound. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Here, officer, here's some more guns. Yeah. What are the good ones here? <laughs> he made bail with the help of his mother. The trial was set for 1988. Before the trial began, George was brought in for violating the restraining order. Using what the judge deemed offensive language, George was sent to prison for six months in contempt of court and not paying the $60,000 in back taxes on Mount Carmel. With help from the followers in California, David paid the back taxes and moved into Mount Carmel. When the trial eventually came around, David and his followers were acquitted. Now that they had Mount Carmel back, it was time to rebuild and get ready for the end times. But like I read, like I heard that it was like 20 years back taxes. I'm like, where was like the tax right. guy for the county for 20? I mean, geez, like that property for 20 years, no taxes paid. It's like, well, you know, well, reading a, you know, reading this, you know, George, you know, he, he went, he was in and out of jail for years. Um, stuck around Texas, and the last time, the last time he went to jail, he or no, it was either jail or an asylum. He tried to escape, and they found the next morning dead on the front yard. Oh yeah, from a massive heart attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, twenty years back. No, nah, nah, I didn't know it was twenty years back taxes, but. I'm not right. Where was the county assessor? Sure, it was 20 years. What? Where was the county uh, assessor in all this? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, he probably took one look. And, well, from what I understand, when George took over, the place was kind of falling apart. So he yeah, probably but, didn't think anyone lived there. Yeah, but they still have people checking and stuff. I mean, right. still, now, I mean, like, Oh, you know, and it's one of those where they just kind of they're they're just kind of like eh, what? And then you kind of wonder if all this was ha- if they had paid the back taxes, 
if all like you know, wake wake with quotes would have happened too then or something right. you know, or, I mean because they would have had you know it, it's they really had the property or it's yeah it's always like what ifs what if what right if. and it's really weird because this could have gone uh, yeah like we were talking before we turned on the mics you know we're we're, we're both watching the um the Waco aftermath on uh, Paramount Plus actually Showtime. This one is now. Yeah, it's on Showtime. Yeah, yeah, I got it through. I got it with the uh, Paramount Plus bundle. Yeah, I got. It. I thought they were all like had already been like they were doing it. I forgot that they do it like once a week. Yeah. So I was going to binge it. I would have binged it on the weekend. Got three, I've got three months for like for yeah. the cheaper price, and I'm canceling. So, but I. I I honestly believe, and once we actually get into the siege, you know, I honestly believe the ATF jumped the gun on this because they didn't want another Jonestown. That was the big fear about all this, that this was going to turn into a Jonestown. And then, because, because we weren't too far, probably a decade after Jonestown when this went down. Years. Right. Well, technically it was like four, if you want to get tech, it was like 14 and a half years. Right, so we weren't too far out. I think it's third year since Wake Out. It's like, okay, like my bones are like I can hear them, you know, like turning to dust as we speak. But (laughs) but we weren't too far out from Jonestown, so that was on their mind. We don't want another Jonestown, but yet they made a Jonestown. Uh huh. Gotta gotta love it when we get trigger happy guys in the ATF. I'm gonna put a stop to it. Oh. Crap. Then mm. you get Officer Barbrady from South South Park. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Nothing to see. All right, folks, we're gonna wrap that one up. Uh part three, as you know, by now, next week. Next week we're gonna look at how David took control of the Mount or the Branch Davidians. Now it's getting interesting. Yeah, yeah. Now it's gonna get real interesting. Dun dun dun. Uh, we got the Facebook page. Join us there. You can catch us on Spotify and iTunes. Yay, I can say it now. ITunes. <laughs> yeah. All right. For Killers, Cults, and Nut Jobs 2.0, I'm Scotty J. Say goodnight, Monica. Good night, Monica.